let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening, where we continue our reflections into the richness of the gospel text. And what an honor and privilege it really is, my friends, to journey with you. You know, from one week to the next, we engage sacred scripture. And I do want to let you know that it really is an honor for me to journey with you as I continue to receive your questions, your comments, and your observations, um, just not about sacred scripture, but about so many questions in regards to the Catholic faith. And it really does give me great joy to be able to uh, journey with you, and not only answering your questions, but also getting to know you. I was sharing with a close friend the other day that uh, through this radio program, I've been able to get to know so many different people um, from so many different places. So Uh, Maybe that, more than anything else, has been my greatest joy, just getting to know new people. Is it not about the encounter? Is it not about new friendships? Is it not about getting to know one another? Um, And being able to answer your question along the way, um, great. You know, so continue to shoot me your questions. Continue to send me your emails uh, to jholjmj at yahoo.com. That's J-H-O-L-L-J-M-J at yahoo.com. Or again, you can go to my website at joeholcraft.org, J-H-O-L-L-C-R-A-F-T.org. Just go to the contacts link button there and send your message on its way. So, so this Thursday evening, we do have the opportunity to talk about the gospel that comes to us from the fourth Sunday of Easter, which is John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. So we are back into the Gospel of John, uh, like we have been over the past few weeks. And uh, let us just go ahead and jump into this text. If you have your Bibles out there, again, this is John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. Amen. So, as we move away from the day of resurrection, right, Easter Sunday, the Sunday scripture readings for the Easter season help to deepen our understanding of what happened to Jesus and to the church through his triumph over death. Huh? On the second Sunday of Easter, we looked carefully at the wounds of Christ and renewed friendship with him at the table in a locked upper room. Uh, last week, for the third Sunday of Easter, uh, we were made to reflect into the intimate lakeshore scene, huh? leading us through the ruins of denial and despair and offering us a chance to recommit ourselves to loving Christ as friends. And what did I just talk about as it relates to the importance of friendship, huh? Um, Now, on this fourth Sunday of Easter, we encounter the Good Shepherd, who is really the beautiful or noble shepherd who knows his flock intimately. We call uh, this Sunday Good Shepherd Sunday, do we not? And we also have this Sunday as the World Day of Prayer for Vocations in the Church. Now, 
In all three liturgical cycles, this fourth Sunday of Easter presents a passage from John's Gospel about the Good Shepherd. In the Old Testament, what do we read? I mean, God himself is represented as the shepherd of his people. If we were to go to Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Huh? How about Psalm 95, verse 7, he is our God and we are his people whom he shepherds. The future Messiah is also described with the image of what the shepherd. We read in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, like a shepherd, he feeds his flock. In his arms, he gathers the lambs, carrying them in his bosom and leading the ewes with care. You know, it could be said <laughs> that God has had a love affair with shepherds, huh? I mean, from Abraham to, to Moses to David to Amos and so on and so forth, one narrative after another do we see God using shepherds as instruments to uh, his covenant life? Now, what's more, in the Bible in the ancient Near East, shepherd was also a uh, political title, huh? That stressed the obligation of kings to provide for their subjects. The title connoted total concern, total concern for and dedication to others. Shepherd and host are both images set against the background of the desert, where the protector of the sheep is also the protector of the desert traveler, offering hospitality and, and safety from enemies. We also see the rod as a defensive weapon against wild animals, while the staff is a supportive instrument. They symbolize concern and loyalty. Now, all that being said, you can well imagine why and how this ideal image of the shepherd finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ, huh? I mean, how important is it to reflect upon the backdrop, huh? the historical backdrop to which Christ speaks? He is the good shepherd who goes in search of the lost sheep. He feels compassion for the people because he sees them as, what does Matthew 9.36 say? Sheep without a shepherd. You know, what is it about sheep? Are they not the most fickle animal, <laughs> you know, so easily distracted, so easily dragged along? Are we not like that? Are we not fickle? Are we not so easily swayed? Are we so not easily dragged along by the latest fad? Brothers and sisters, we need a shepherd. <laughs> we need a shepherd. What else do we read about this image in uh, the New Testament? Well, he calls his disciples what in Luke 12, 32? But the little flock, the little flock. And let me emphasize the importance of little and, and, and the spirituality of being little, <laughs> being like that infant before the father with his hands raised up. The disciples were the first little ones, if you will. Uh, we read of Peter calling Jesus the shepherd of our souls in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. And we also read in the letter to the Hebrews uh, that uh, Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep in chapter 13, verse 20. Now, in today's gospel passage, the passage that we just read, John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30, we have a passage that highlights two important characteristics of our Lord's role as shepherd. The first has to do with the reciprocal knowledge that the sheep and shepherd have. What do we read? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You know, the sheep remained 
for many years in the company of the shepherd, who knew the character of each one and gave them affectionate names. Thus it was with Jesus and his disciples, right? He knows his disciples by name, right? He knows them intimately. He loves them with a personal love that treats each as if they were the only one who existed for him. I dare say, my friends, is that not the overarching truth of Christ's love? That he treats us as if we were the only one, huh? As if we were the only one. Do we not do this in our own courtships with our spouses? At times, we treat them uh, as the only one. And why? Because we have a great uh, love and affection for them. Well, Well, Jesus does this for all of us. And that is what is so unique, of course, to Christianity. You know, this verse, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Have you ever been in a crowd with your spouse, per se, <laughs> and in the busyness of doing something, you lose sight of him or her only to find your spouse because you hear your spouse calling your name? You see, you know your spouse's inflection. You know your spouse's tone, and you are able to meet up again because of the intimate relationship you share, right? I recall a time in the past where my wife and I went to the local farmer's market, and it was quite busy with a lot of people in a very small, uh, concentrated area. And this very thing that I speak to happened. Among the scores of people did I hear my wife's voice calling out my name, and we were quickly able to meet up with each other. I could hear her inflection. I could hear her tone. Um, I could hear certain words that only she would use. Huh? And is that not what happens with Christ? Is that not what happens between a sheep and a shepherd? In the Christian life, we go about our day among many people, encountering and dialoguing with some of those people. To hear the voice of the shepherd is to hear his voice telling us to bring him to the very people that we are meeting. You have heard me talk about how the new evangelization can be distilled into that one word, encounter. Well, let us hear the voice of the shepherd speak to us in that encounter. We have to listen to him. And out from that listening will we enter into that mode of obediently responding to what he has for us. Mindful that the word obedience coming from the Latin obadire literally translates as to listen, to listen. That word obedience tends to have a negative context in American popular culture, and yet, and yet it lies at the heart of our faith, does it not? Because if we are going to go to God with our prayers, a word that means to ask, should we not be listening? Should we not be obedient? Remember that the Hebrew word for faith, which is better translated as faithfulness, is about disobedience. This is what Paul speaks to in Romans chapter 1, verse 5 and 16, 26, where he talks about the obedience of faith. He's simply translating the Old Testament vision of faithfulness, which is the firm response, which is the response of listening. In fact, the Greek there in Romans 1, 5 and 16, 26 uh, better translates the obedience that is faith or the obedience that springs from faith. Because once you enter into prayer and a living relationship with Jesus Christ, what are you doing? You're entering into that listen-response relationship with God. 
that is what it is about. And this is why faith and prayer are so interconnected. Now, all that being said, there is also a second aspect of the shepherd's vocation in today's gospel. The shepherd gives his life to his sheep and for his sheep, and no one can take them out of his hand. Amen to that. You know, it is here where we should mention that uh, wild animals and thieves were a nightmare, right, and constant threat for the shepherds of Israel. Herein lies really the true difference between the true shepherd who shepherds the family's flock and the hired hand who works only for the pay he receives, who does not love and indeed often hates the sheep. When the mercenary is confronted with danger, what does he do? He flees, and he, he leaves the sheep at the mercy of the wolf or the bandits. The true shepherd courageously faces the danger to save the flock. And is this not what Jesus Christ does on the cross huh? as the true shepherd? The sheep are far more than a responsibility, though, to the good shepherd. They are the object of the shepherd's love and concern. This is really what lies at the heart of this gospel text. Huh? Thus, the shepherd's devotion to the sheep is what? But completely unselfish. The good shepherd is willing to die for the sheep rather than to abandon them. To the hired hand, what are the sheep? I mean, what are the sheep to a hired hand? But merely a commodity to be watched over only so they can provide wool and mutton. Brothers and sisters, this text, again, is about selfless love versus selfishness. Let us imitate selfless love. Now, What's more, today's gospel passage presents to us one of the deepest mysteries of the human spirit, something we have more or less touched upon, and that is faith. The ability to hear and to follow a call. Faith is a gift to Jesus and a gift to the followers of Jesus. Why are some capable of hearing that leads to faith? Why are some capable of recognizing the Father and the words of Jesus? Well, <laughs> While faith is a gift that can only be given to God, it is also an act, trust. Trust is the most concrete act in virtue of faith. How do we build up trust? But by way of relationship. Relationship. What were we just talking about? This listen-response dynamic that really does define the essence of what prayer is all about. We have the need to go to God, to just not speak our peace, but to also listen to him. Do we say, listen, Lord, your servant is speaking, or speak, Lord, your servant is listening? Huh? Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ has given us every reason to trust him if we just read the gospel text. So many of us say, well, you just don't understand what I'm going through. Well, my friends, Look at the crucifix and ask yourself the question, does that man who was crucified for you, does he not understand what you're going through? I have talked about before in other programs and, and other contexts the significance of the crucifixion, specifically to how it was the single most brutal death known to man. And it is if 
Jesus chose that death so that we could never say to him, he doesn't understand. To meditate and contemplate upon the crucifixion is to conclude someone does understand. It's just a matter of opening our hearts by the grace of God to what he has for us in our lives as we go through this suffering. Lord knows there's a lot of suffering out there. Uh, nightmarish suffering, excruciating suffering. But all of this suffering is to be seen not as an end in of itself, but as a means to an end, something that has redemptive value. So we have every reason to trust Jesus. We just need to get to know him and start entrusting ourselves to him. Sooner, rather than later, we will begin to rejoice in hearing the voice of the Good Shepherd. This is what we have to look forward to, is it not? In uh, his very first homily as the successor of Peter, Benedict XVI said this, One of the basic characteristics of a shepherd must be to love the people entrusted to him, even as he loves Christ whom he serves. Feed my sheep, says Christ to Peter. And now at this moment, he says it to me as well. Feeding means loving, and loving also means being ready to suffer. Loving means giving the sheep what is truly good, the nourishment of God's truth, of God's word, the nourishment of his presence, which he gives us in the blessed sacrament. Brothers and sisters, in our own way, we are called to love. We are called to be ready and willing to suffer. And also, we need to be ready and willing to nourish our souls with the food of everlasting life and nourish others in the truth of Jesus Christ. The words of Benedict XVI there really do speak to us as well, and I think we ought to pay close attention to that. A traveler of the last century has left us a portrait of the shepherd of Palestine, and he said this, When you see him in a high pasture, sleepless, a gaze that searches in the distance, weather-beaten, leaning on his staff, ever attentive to the movements of the flock, you understand why the shepherd acquired such importance in the history of Israel that they gave this title to their kings and that Christ would assume it as an emblem of self-sacrifice. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Now, speaking of sacrifice, I want to go to this last verse here that uh, I had read earlier. Verse 30. I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. Now, why would I go to this verse within the context of sacrifice? Well, we must remember something here. In that great Christological hymn, that hymn that comes to us from Philippians 2, verses 6 to 11, what do we read? That Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. No, but he emptied himself and he was obedient unto the cross, unto death on the cross. And what we have in that hymn that comes to us from Paul's letter to the Church of Philippi is a profound insight into the revelation of the Trinity itself. Jesus Christ says, I and the Father are one. He's speaking to this relationship he has with his Father. One that, as it is revealed to us in this great Christological hymn, is enriched by sacrifice. Sacrifice, huh? So there's, again, a redemptive value to sacrifice. How are we to understand the Trinity? Huh? 
when we think about the Trinity, some of us are intimidated by it because it's this mystery we just can't kind of grab a hold of, which I always find interesting because for so many of us on so many levels, we are captivated by mystery, are we not? I mean, why are all of the CSIs so popular? Uh, Why do we want to plumb the depths of our oceans? Because we are fascinated by mystery. And yet, when we encounter a mystery of faith, we say, ah, I don't want to deal with it. What tragedy. (laughs) What a tragedy, because in the Trinity, we discover something beautiful. Something beautiful. This eternal communion of fellowship. The Trinity is the Father eternally loving the Son, and the Son eternally loving the Father. And this love that they share is what? But the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A unity in distinction, simplified love given, love received, love shared. So when we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit, what are we given? Well, the gift of communion between the Father and the Son, right? the gift of what is shared between the Father and the Son. And I bring up the Trinity in relationship to sacrifice because we have to take stock in their relationship, the relationship that exists between Trinitarian love and sacrifice. What does the word sacrifice mean? Sacrum fitse, to make holy. When we embrace our sacrifices, they have a way of making us more holy, do they not? And this is why we look upon the cross and we look upon the corpus on the cross, the body on the cross, the crucifix, to help us better understand why we go through what we go through. And that his suffering is just not an antidote for our suffering, that we we never have to deal with it. No, it is more of a revelation that we can just not endure it, but use it use it as an instrument for his glory as we offer it back to him. So um, the Trinity is uh, very important here. Now what's interesting is here we have this text come to us from John chapter 10 verse 30. Does not John set up his whole gospel with the Trinity? What do we read in John 1 verse 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What is this business about in the beginning? Well, John traces the origin of the Word into eternity past, where God the Son was present with God the Father before time itself began. This opening verse of John is a direct allusion to the opening verse of the Bible itself, as in Genesis 1, the evangelist draws attention to light, darkness, life, and the spoken Word that brought all things into existence. Genesis 1 sets the tone for, you know, creation. John wants us to see that in the Son, we have a new creation. And if we clothe ourselves with the cloth of Christ, with the garment of virtue, we become a new creation in Christ. This is what John wants us to see. And he offers for us this beautiful image of the Good Shepherd that we might come to appreciate that This life of the Son was about sacrifice, was a gift to us that we might embrace and imitate that gift of sacrificial love. Amen. Now, I mentioned in the opening that uh, this Sunday is not only Good Shepherd Sunday, 
but also the day set aside for the World Day of Prayer for Vocations in the Church, uh, the World Day of Prayer for Vocations in the Church. So what I wanted to do as we wrap up our time together is just uh, call upon the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit might descend upon us wherever we might be, that our prayer that cries out for more vocations to the church might be heard. Huh? So let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we do just give you a special thanks and praise for the gift of this evening to be able to reflect into the richness of your text and the rich themes that come from your text, especially this very rich theme of the Good Shepherd. And we do call upon you the gift of the Holy Spirit that it might descend upon us as we intercede on behalf of the body of Christ that you might send us more vocations to the church, that you might inspire men, young and old, to be at the service of the church. For all of you non-Catholics out there, um, I would encourage you to, to pray for these vocations as well, um, because we are all ambassadors for Christ, and we need to be at the service of one another, serving as ambassadors for Christ. Okay, with that, let us close with the words that our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.